got a Bible, let's get some filling up. Let's get some encouragement. Isaiah chapter 40, that's the big thick book in the Old Testament. Generally, you can just turn anywhere and you'll find yourself in Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And we are in a little mini series these few weeks of the school holidays. We're in a little series, just sort of through, through together, uh, called Hills and Valleys. Hills and Valleys. Everyone say hills. Everyone say valleys. I'm glad you could be here this morning. Last week, if you were here for that message, we were kind of just reminded a little bit that uh, God is a God of every season. He is a God of the hills and He is a God of the valleys. He's a God of your hills and a God of your valleys. He is His character and His nature. He is steady. He is consistent. He is unchanging. He is interested and available to you whatever season of life you find yourselves in. Don't make the mistake of only seeking Him in the valley or make the mistake of only seeking Him in the high points in the hills. He is, to be, he is worthy to be praised whatever season that we find yourselves in. You can listen to that message online at our website. And I just want to kind of continue this theme on hills and valleys this morning uh, with Isaiah chapter 40. It'll come up on the screen. It does. It says this, verse 3 of Isaiah 40, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, it says, prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley, it says in verse 4, every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. Let me just read verse four to you again, repetition for emphasis. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you may recognize that passage, that, that prophetic word from Isaiah uh, as, as a prophetic word concerning John the Baptist, who would come much, much later in the New Testament. John the Baptist would come as a forerunner to Jesus Christ. And if you know much about John, he was a, he was a freaky wild guy. He, he was one of the more unique characters in the Bible. The scriptures describe him as kind of a nomadic wild man. He lived off locusts and honey, and I think he, had, he wore camels here for clothing. That was it. And, uh, but John has this unique calling, had this unique calling and that his purpose in life as expressed by Isaiah was to prepare the way for Jesus, to prepare the ground for Jesus who was about to come onto the scene. His, his life, his call could almost be encapsulated by these words that one would come out from the wilderness to prepare the way for God to come. And I, I believe that this call, this purpose didn't end with John, but it continues onwards. It continues to this very, uh, very day. It didn't end with his life, but it's a call that's still ringing out loudly over the church, not the building, but the people. It is a call that God has given to, to us to prepare the way for the Lord. Each one of you, each, each, every single one of us, if we're walking with Christ, with Him, that we have been called, commissioned to be a voice, to be a light in the wilderness, the, the world, to, to prepare the way for others, for God to come, to come, to come in. You believe that this morning? 
And, and God's not asking us to, to wear camels here for clothing, which is great. And, and he doesn't, we don't have to chew on cicadas and be crazy, but he's inviting us to continue this prophecy to prepare the way for God in our cities and in our communities and in our workplaces and in, in our homes, in our church. He's calling us to do that. But I want to suggest this morning that in order for that to happen, in order for us, the church, to be the kinds of people where His way is established in others, for, for that to happen, we first have to make sure that His way is established in us. In order for it to be established in others through us, His way has to be established in us. If, if we are effectively preparing the way for Christ in the world around us, it is because, it's gonna be because he's already having his way in the world inside us. How many know that there is a whole world on the inside? There is a whole world on the inside of us, things that are going on, things that are happening, things that God wants us to be free in. And so when we open ourselves to God, we can't help but open the way for others to follow. But you can't fulfill one without experiencing the other. So we can make this passage personal this morning. We can, we can make it personal for just, for just us. Let's read it again. It says, prepare the way for the Lord. Let, let our prayer be, God, prepare my way. Prepare the way for, for God to come into me. Make, make straight in the desert. Make straight in my life a pathway, a, a highway, highway for God. We were in the United States a few years ago, and we were amazed at the freeways and the highways that are just everywhere. Like in New Zealand, when you're driving, you got to go up the hills and down the hills. You go into the valleys, you drive up the round around the corners. The kids are throwing up in the back seat. But in the states, they just, they just make a highway straight through that place. It says, "Make straight a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low." The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. You know, in order for you and I to be a well-prepared way maker for God to move through, we've got to ask this question of ourselves, what valleys, what valleys exist in my life that need raising up? And what, what hills exist that need making low? We'll talk about what these things could be in just, just a moment, but We've got to ask ourselves this question for God, am I level? Am I level for, for him? I, I want to suggest, maybe just for the sake of this talk that I've put together, that these valleys and hills are perhaps the beliefs that we have about different things. These valleys and hills are the, are the mindsets that we have. They're the perspectives that we have about life. They're what we believe about God. We looked at this last week, our belief about him and who he is and how, how he approaches us. They could be the belief that we have about our circumstance, what we are currently facing, what we may face. They, they are the beliefs about ourselves, what God is calling us to do and, 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 to, and to be. And, and so for some of us, there's, there are areas in our life that are, are a little rough, right? I've mean, got some rough areas. I've got some places that need to come down and, and, and come, come up. The key to that level place, I believe, is is in the renewing of our minds and finding the truth of God's word and allowing that to be true, true in us. And I've said before, one of the, the greatest battle that we'll ever get to fight for our life is the one that goes on in the space between our ears. That's the greatest battleground for us. That's where we've got we to fight the, 
the, the good fight. The, Isaiah said, every valley shall be raised up and every hill made low. Every valley raised up and every hill made low. What places in my life, what places in your life are, are living out of a valley mindset? Places that need to come up, that need to be raised up. What, what thing or area have you actually exalted in your life and made a mountain that, that shouldn't be? A high place, perhaps something that now looks down on you, that intimidates you, that, that speaks to you negatively. What mountain needs to come down? What area appears as though we're in a valley and everything else looks so much bigger than us? And maybe this morning you're, you're thinking, those who may be listening to this later on, you're in a place, you're in a valley, you're in a situation, you're facing some kind of circumstance where you may be tempted to think or believe, man, my problems are too great. My problems are, are too big. My challenges are huge. Man, I am facing a mountain that I cannot climb. I can't get over or through. My resources, the things that I believe I have are too small. They are, they are in a valley. I just don't have what it takes. And Or from down here in this valley, what I'm living through, working through right now, everything else looks so overwhelming. And we all find ourselves from time to time in those kind of places. I love the story in 1 Samuel 17. You'll, you'll know of it where a giant uh, called Goliath stands at the top of a hill, stands at a hill and looks down into a valley. Goliath stands on a hill and he looks down into the valley and he taunts the Israelites who are camped in this valley below, them, below him. And it says in 1 Samuel 17 that for 40 days from atop of this hill, Goliath intimidates and he mocks Israel. 40 days, every day he comes out, does his, does his stretch and begins to mock Israel who are waiting down, camped down in the valley. And it says, when Israel heard the words of the Philistine who called out from them to them from the hill, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. The thing about a valley, when you're in a valley or even when you have a valley kind of thinking or a valley kind of mindset is that everything around you looks big let alone a nine-foot giant carrying a spear threatening to kill you. Everything looks so much bigger than perhaps it, perhaps it is. And the problem with valleys, and we lived in a valley for the first two or three years that we, when we came to, to Nelson, the problem with, with, with valleys is they don't get enough light. Those of you who may live in a valley or been in a valley before, you'll know that you lose the sun, uh, early in the afternoon, you may not get it till later in, in the morning. The problem with valleys is they don't get enough light. And listen, it's often the same with our beliefs. We need the light. We need the sunlight, the S-O-N light. <laughs> you like what I did there? We need the light of God to shine on us. We need His light to illuminate those valley places, those dark, desperate, hopeless places and make a level way. In that story of Goliath, it took a shepherd boy named David to come and make the level place. What was really interesting about what David did or, or who David was is that was had David been camping in the valley, those of you who know the story, he hadn't. 
He was one of the only people who came from outside and went down into that valley. He hadn't been camping in the valley. He hadn't been subject to the constant taunting and mocking. Instead, he'd been out tending his father's sheep. He'd come in to bring his brother's cheese sandwiches. It's true. And he went down, therefore, into that valley with a completely different perspective. He did not have a valley perspective. David saw the size of the problem. He saw the huge head on that giant. And he thought, you know what? That's a great target. (laughs) And he decided that a small stone and a sling would would be sufficient to bring down the mountain that stood in Israel's way that had been mocking them in that valley for so, so, so long. And the truth is, there's always a way out and there's always a way up and there's always a greater perspective that we've got to grab when it comes to, to, to our life. The, in the valley lies hopelessness. In the valley is mediocrity. But God, God is calling us to make level the low places. How do we do that? How do we make level those low places, those, those valleys? We do it by, by wielding the slingshot of truth. We put it in that, so we pull it, we pull it back, and we aim it at things that look insurmountable so that they will come down. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No, not on the screens, but just trust me, I am reading from the Bible. It says this, no temptation. No, you can put in that place, no, no trial, no challenge, no experience of evil, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, with the trial, with the adversity, will also make a way of escape. What a great passage. What a great passage of of hope. First of all, we're told that the challenges that we face, and we are gonna face some challenges. We will face, you cannot escape the challenges, but God doesn't want you going down into the valley when you face them. He doesn't want you to have a valley mindset, valley thinking, a valley perspective when you face some of these challenges, some some of these adversities. He says that we're told that the challenges we face are not uncommon. In other words, no temptation has overtaken you except that is common to, to man. In other words, other people have been receiving grace to overcome the same situation. You are not alone. And the plan of the enemy is just to whisper into your mind, you are alone. No one else is struggling with this. No one else has gone through this. You gotta get in that valley and freak yourself out. But listen, no trial, no temptation, no adverse circumstance is uncommon. And there have been many, many other people who have found themselves in the same place and have found the overcoming power of God to get them out of that place. Secondly, it says God is faithful. He is faithful. We looked at this last week. Even in our struggle, even in our trial, God is faithful. He's faithful. He's not given up on you. He's not going to give up on you. Thirdly, we're told that there is a way of escape. God says there is a way for you to get from where you are to a level place. Praise God for that. Thank you, God. We walk through the valley. We don't stay there. We don't camp there. 
We don't spend our time in that place, but we get up, we go on, we move from, we move from that place. See, it, it doesn't matter how ho- hopeless things appear. It doesn't matter if your own decisions even have put you in that place. God has a way to get you from that low place to a level plane where every valley may be raised up and every hill made low. And the key is to look at Him. Look for Him, look to Him, look at Him and not at the problem not at the circumstance. I love the story in Mark chapter eight. It says there's thousands of men. It doesn't tell us how many women and children were there. In Mark eight, to hear Jesus speak, thousands of men had gathered to hear Jesus speak and for three days they'd eaten nothing. They'd listened, I guess, attentively. No one had brought their sandwiches. No one had brought a packed lunch. And, And so Jesus summons the disciples to find a solution. But all the disciples can do is look at the problem. Jesus says, hey, man, you got to give these guys something to eat. They're starving. They've been with us for three days. They've got nothing to eat. Sort it out for me, could you? And the disciples, it says in verse 4 of of Mark chapter 8, they say, are you kidding me, Jesus? Where can anyone get enough bread in this desolate place to feed these people? I mean, it was a perspective, a valley perspective. It was, it's hopeless. There are at least three or 4,000 people here that... You know, the, if we don't count the kids and the wheels, there's probably, probably 10,000 or more people there. The disciples are going, it's not going to happen. We can't find how we're going to do that. But Jesus, he never looked at the size of the problem. He looked at what they did have. And you know the story. He asks them, well, how many loaves do, do you have? And from the little that they did have, Jesus made sure there was enough to feed thousands and thousands of people. You know the story in Second Kings about the widow whose children are sold into slavery. She's about to die of hunger. Elisha, the prophet, she cries out to him. He doesn't say, yeah, you're right, it's hopeless. He actually says, what do you have in your house? She says, man, I've, I've just got nothing. I've got nothing but just a few jars of, of oil. Like the loaves of bread story, one jar ends up filling many jars until she has more than enough. You see, that is level thinking. That, has been, that is not, that is not uh, the, 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 the perspective of a valley. Don't be concerned with what you don't have or what, with, what is not happening right now for you, but look at what you do have and God will make a way where there seems to be no way. In our lives, he just does. That's what he does. I love this from Psalm 77, verse 16. It says, When the Red Sea saw you, O God, I love this. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. <laughs> the sea quaked to its very depths. The cloud poured down their rain. The thunder rolled and crackled the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. God is the way maker for us. He's the way maker. We've got to remind ourselves that He is able. He is able to provide for us a way of escape, a path out of the valley. It is not impossible. There are no impossible situations. There are no hopeless situations. There's just hopeless beliefs. When we exalt our experience above the truth of his word, when we focus on what he isn't doing rather than what he is, we make a mountain out of our problems. 
that needs to be made low. We exalt things in our lives that we need to put Christ back above them again. May the valleys be raised up and the mountain and hill made low. This is not gonna be a long message this morning. I just got back from conference and so I just didn't have too much time to prepare this, but I'm just thinking about the valleys and hills and those things are. And maybe for, for some this morning that, that mountain and hill being made low, the hill coming down, the mountain coming down. Next week, I'm gonna speak about the mountains in our life and the power and authority that we have to speak to them. But, but maybe it's not, not a misbelief about a certain circumstance or a hopeless situation. Maybe it's not the thought that this place or this thing that I've found myself in is hopeless or it's not the size of your enemy. That, that hill is not a tower of intimidation that, that stares at you from the valley floor, but that mountain or that hill is you. It's you. In the sense that you perhaps have become king of the mountain. You have become king, king of the hill. You've, you've found yourself, perhaps by accident, trusting less in God and more in your own strength, more in what, what you can do, more, more in your ability and not, not trusting him. It's been more about what you can do and less about what he can do. And it's also time in that place to make that hill low, to make, make that hill low. If we could just have the...